Welcome to the Black Duck Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Wilkins. I'm excited to have you join me as I speak with a fascinating collection of folks, all of whom have in common that they've made a way for themselves by finding an intersection between thoughtful consideration and the tactile work of getting their hands dirty. This is an examination of intention, capability, and craft. It's where philosophy meets the blue-collar work ethic and where I find real value. The 2023 Black Duck Revival Turkey Tour is brought to you by Rome Adventure Company, makers of high quality and rugged outdoor gear to get you where you want to be on all your vehicle-based adventures. I've got the Black Duck Revival van outfitted with the Vagabond XL tent that sleeps three to four people. It's got a three-inch high density foam mattress, very comfortable, and an anti-condensation pad to keep you warm and dry. Takes just five minutes to set up and another five to put back in the morning, and you're on your way to wherever the road might take you. Please check out Rome Adventure Company at RomeAdventureCo.com. Get on the road and make the most of it. The Black Duck Revival podcast is sponsored by our friends over at Hunters of Color. Hunters of Color is a 501c3 nonprofit. They're the only nationwide hunting nonprofit led by BIPOC for BIPOC. They're working on increasing black, indigenous, and other peoples of color participation in hunting for the sake of conservation, food sovereignty, and to preserve our ancestral traditions. They do that by focusing on their three pillars, which is mentorship, conservation, and education. Actually, right now, I'm in California chasing turkeys with my good friend and co-founder of Hunters of Color, Jimmy Flett. Uh, Last night when we were drinking some beers, Jimmy told me that last year, Hunters of Color was able to get 1,000 new folks out into the field to learn about hunting, conservation, and what this is all about and why it's so important to all of us. So if you want to get involved with Hunters of Color, if you want to support that good work that they're doing, check them out at their website. It's huntersofcolor.org or on all social media platforms, Hunters of Color. Now to the show. Hey folks, welcome back to the Black Duck Revival podcast. This week, I'm joined by Brian Regala of Santa Fe, New Mexico. I met Brian uh, last year on a turkey hunt in Michigan. Uh, He was writing an article for Field and Stream. I was doing some stuff for Sitka, and we hit it off. Turns out we're from the same, or spent a lot of time, rather, uh, in the same town, St. Louis. He also lived in Little Rock, where I'm at now, and he's made his way to many different places. Really interesting dude, probably one of the best voices I've ever come across, and he's a passionate outdoorsman, taking his skills as a mountain biker and skier and backpacker and hiker and transferring them into the world of hunting uh, the last half decade or so and finding a lot of fun and a lot of success. We talk about uh, his work in media, his work in journalism and entertainment, and just where he sees himself and what he sees himself doing in the the future here. Uh, Brian's a super cool dude. I really hit it off with him when I was in Michigan last year, and he was incredibly generous. I told him that I was coming through his neck of the woods and wanted to know if maybe we could hunt that turkey opener together. He was incredibly gracious, incredibly generous, gave us some pins where we could set up camp, and then he came up. We hung out that night, got up in the morning, hunted turkeys. Uh, Just an absolute pleasure, a real fun conversation, recorded inside of his truck up on top of a mountain in northern New Mexico with the wind howling. Uh, But I think you'll enjoy this conversation with Brian Regala. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Black Duck Revival Podcast. Uh, this time from inside of a souped up Toyota Tundra, about 8,500 feet up uh, northern New Mexico. Very, very windy day, uh, surrounded by pine trees and well, there was some aspen down there in the bottom, uh, scrub oak. But I am joined by one Brian Regala of 
Santa Fe. Uh, previously, what, Dallas, and before that, Little Rock. And That's right. St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So there's some. we've lived in some of the same places there. Uh, and, yeah, so this is like the second stop for Turkey Tour this year. We were in Texas. Uh, Jay Byer, my buddy Jay Byer, and uh, I were in Texas, what, on Thursday. Man, great morning. Killed two toms in like a minute. and A little bit uh, more action than this morning. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit, man. But, uh, dude, this is a, dude, this is a beautiful, beautiful place, man. Uh, we, came up, we came up from the bottom of New Mexico and like went through all those mesas and stuff that look like they've been painted with a pastel brush. But, uh, yeah, so Brian, we met last year, I don't know, about yeah. the same time this, uh, about, maybe, a year ago. about May, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. uh, in Michigan, uh, we learned about, what were those stores? We party stores? F- yeah, yeah, party, party stores. stores. But we were up there doing a hunt with Sitka, NWTF, you were, uh, you were up there writing for Field and Stream, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, well, man, we just started talking, and you know, you say St. Louis, and I like, my ears perk up, and then Little <laughs> Rock, and I was like, whoa. Yep. Uh, but man, so man, this, I think this part of your life is interesting, dude. So I was asking you why you moved around so much when you were growing up mm-hmm. and you were telling me cause it was your dad's job, which is like a pretty unique. I mean, most of the time you hear about like army brats and stuff. Yeah, for sure. That's what, that's what people always, that's their first, uh, first thought when I say that I lived in 10 States growing up, they assume army brat. Yeah. Uh, but no, my dad was in TV. He was in local news. And so we would, uh, I was born in Pittsburgh and then moved to St. Louis after that. And my mom's from St. Louis. But, yeah, we, we would move around uh, just about every two years, basically. Um, just going from market to market, essentially. Yeah, and so explain, like, what because your dad's like a, like a fixer, right? Yeah, yeah. So he, would, uh, he was on the management and sales side of things. And he would, uh, you know, work for a, a company like a Hearst or someone that owned and operated all these different TV stations around the country. And he would uh, go in and... Uh, you know, if a station was failing or if a station was not, not doing great in the ratings and whatnot, they would, they would send him in and, uh, he would, he would fix it essentially. Get in there, crack that whip. That's right. And then they would, uh, send him to the next one. Did he ever do on camera stuff? Uh, he did a, a little bit here and there, but, but never like, uh, an anchor or anything like that. No. Gotcha. Yeah. In college he did, but. So then what'd you go to school for? Uh, I went to school originally for broadcast journalism. I was going to be a, a TV reporter, and then uh, I got there and I think decided that that was not for me, and decided to uh, uh, entertainment. I guess was more my my speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to be a print journalist for a while there, and my dad sort of talked me out of that. I think wisely. You're like, uh, do you want to like, be poor? Do you wanna, yeah. Do, do you want to survive? And uh, you know, and I saw I saw news and. Uh, kind of what newsrooms were like like i was interning in newsrooms when i was 16 you know that was like one of my first jobs sure. and um always thought that i would do that but then got to college and, and kind of went down the, the more entertainment path i guess so i was a communications major went to elon university in north carolina and uh started making like travel shows and stuff when i was in college basically instead of uh instead of the news route like for yourself or for other folks mm-hmm. yeah so me and a buddy would we basically had a show that was on campus TV. It was called No Signal. And the idea was to uh, basically just go to any place that we could get out of cell service and just kind of do like a little road trip, you know, mini doc kind of thing that we would do. Really, man? How long did you do that for? Uh, a couple of years, probably two years, two, three years. Well received? Yeah, it was. It was. We, uh, yeah, we, we won some sort of Lonely Planet thing back in the day. And, oh, cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was neat. And graduate, you've made your way. Made my way out all here. All the way. I mean, this is officially Southwest. It is. It is. Northern New Mexico is um, a special place. I came out here to take a job with Outside Magazine. Uh, I was a big outside reader my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a major outside fanboy. And uh, I was working for country music television in Nashville. And, uh, oh, what were you doing there, man? Uh, I was, I was a producer there. I really? A, mm-hmm. Yeah. I worked online video, uh, and a couple shows there and that's where they were based. So we were living in Nashville, my wife and I, and then, um, saw a job opening for 
the video, I, what was I, video production manager here at Outside. And I was like kind of applied on a whim, didn't really think anything about it. Had never been to Santa Fe, never been to New Mexico and came out and uh, I guess the rest is history. Yeah, so you've been here like almost 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 10 years. Got your little farm now, got some yeah. goats. Got some goats, some got chickens. Some, I got some eggs from your chickens here in the yeah. cooler. You'll have to give me a full review. Tell me how the girls are doing. Yeah, I mean, probably pretty good, man. <laughs> uh, man, so when you, you, I guess, do you still do the Overland stuff for outside? I do. Yeah, that's sort of my main beat now these days. I. Uh, so, yeah, so you're kind of like specializing in, and I mean, probably most people know what Overland is, but why don't you like kind of tell folks what that is and yeah, then explain what yeah. you're doing. You know, I mean, it's it's a funny word, term, actually. I kind of... I don't hate it, but it's just, it's just, it's just car camping, right? That's yeah. all it really is. Yeah. And, uh, it's stuff that as hunters, like we've all been doing forever. Like I, most of my overlanding is, is on hunting trips, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's why the truck, like it's got a nice suspension on it. It's got bigger tires and that's all to facilitate me getting further back into, sure. into the woods somewhere. Um, but yeah, overlanding has kind of exploded in the last, I would say five, six years. Um, and I always had an interest in four-wheel drives and just adventures like this kind of stuff and um so i kind of pushed outside in the direction of like hey let's let's get some more vehicle centric coverage because you know the vehicle to me is like sort of what enables all these other adventures Mm, right yeah yeah. and so for outside in particular that's whether you're mountain biking or skiing or whatever you're always taking your your rig to go to the trailhead to go and and do these things and so that's kind of the angle that i you know, came at it from, um, when I started covering this stuff and, and then overlanding sort of exploded in the last like five years. And now it's kind of a buzzword and you get on Instagram and, you yeah. know, hashtag got van their life, rigs. Yep. Hashtag van life. You know something about that, man. So what do you think? Uh, hmm. we'll delve into this as far as we can without, uh, messing up your means of putting food on your table. But, <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I don't know if the black duck van qualifies as overland. I mean, it's probably you got bordering. A rooftop, yeah. You got a rooftop tent up yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, I, I got that row tent, man. Uh, you got some drawers in the back. It, it's definitely overlandy. What? I mean, in some ways, I feel like it's the, like the anti antithesis. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Because uh-huh. it's like an it's like an old van that didn't cost a whole lot of money. Uh, it's just like a bunch of shit on it that I did For myself. Sure. But I mean, I still there's just so much utility to it. Uh, Jay's like always, like we were just talking about, like Jay was opened up my bow case and saw my bullet bow and he was like, man, that's an old bow. <laughs> you know, and I was like, well, he was like, why didn't you get a, a new bow? You know, because like, you know, I probably could have like called somebody that called somebody and like sure. got a company to right, like send right. me a bow or something, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, man, because I didn't need one. Like, yeah. this thing still works, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like if it stopped working, I would get a new one. But, sure, uh, this thing's still doing it, right? Yep, yep. Uh, but I mean, wh- where do you think the line is with that Overland stuff? Because, I mean, to me, like at a point, it gets like you got a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in a van. Sure, man. No, like that's you're crazy. Exactly right. You're exactly right. I mean, I think a lot of this stuff is is aspirational, like for coverage wise, right? Like it's cool to look at a a tricked out Sprinter van or something sure. like that, and cool to go check them out. But I, I don't own a van myself, mm-hmm. right? I have an older Airstream that we bought because it was like somebody had squatted in it and like it was sort of run down and we've kind of flipped it and, you know, and put some work into it. But I love sort of the DIY aspect of this stuff. And I think you don't have to spend a ton of freaking money to, to do this and to go overlanding, right? All you need is a, a vehicle and like a little, you know, for lack of a better term, like just sense of adventure right just mm-hmm. drive down a dirt road somewhere yeah and that's it you know um i i you don't it kind of gets a little gratuitous to me yeah like totally the, totally you know and and i go to these um trade shows like overland expo and things like that and they started as these small you know kind of gatherings for people to come and learn skills right how to how to winch your vehicle out of a situation or certain off-road driving techniques and um and they still have those courses there mm-hmm. and stuff like that but it's become much more product focused sure. and much more you know as, as stuff does and it's all really cool shit you know don't get me wrong like you, I, 
I drive a Tundra with nice black Rhino wheels and all that stuff yeah. on it because they're cool to look at, right? Are they any more functional than the wheels that came on this vehicle? No. You don't think so? These particular ones? Not really. No. Not the wheels. Yeah. The tires. Okay, sure. yeah, yeah, sure. The tires. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. And tires. But that's what I would... Anybody who's like ever looking to get into overlanding, a lot of the stuff I do is, is catered towards people who are just starting out, right? Mm-hmm. Just starting in, in all this stuff, whether it's mountain biking or overlanding or whatever. And this stuff in particular, like all you really need is a good set of tires on whatever vehicle you've yeah, got. If yeah. you want to get further down a dirt road, you can have a two-wheel drive van yeah. and you throw some all-terrain tires on there and you're going to be fine 90% of the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, dude, I might end up, before I get home, I might have some all-terrain tires on yeah. this Joker. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, but honestly, man, this is the... This is probably like the roughest stuff I'm driving into until I get to probably East Oregon. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, so, and that's like a couple weeks, man. So, and I'll be with my buddy Jimmy Flat, and you know he's good for wrenching on cars mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Jay's good for that stuff too. And we're, I mean, right now is what was it, twenty nine or thirty degrees yeah, when we started hunting this morning? It was cold. But we're gonna we're heading west, so I mean we're gonna be. I think we're going to try and stop before we get into like that West Arizona desert, Mm -hmm. just like some national forest where there's some trees and stuff. But Mm -hmm. yeah, that AC was acting a little funky, man. I'll have to see what happens. But it's also like, I was talking to Jay yesterday. I was like, dude, that AC might go out, man. And he was like, shit, dude. He's like, it's just a belt and a tensioner, man. Like we could, we could go get a a compressor and put it on. Uh And I was like, Fuck well, there you yeah, go. Yeah, dude. Perfect. That's the attitude I want to have, man, because we were also talking about a buddy of mine was uh, it was like really questioning my willingness to like just go far from home. Right. right. In a vehicle that was not like one year old. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dude, what if what if it breaks down? I said, man, it's a machine. It's going to break at some of point. All you just it. fix it. Right. You know, and I will say the trade off with uh, like that's a 98. Like hand crank windows, Mm -hmm. it's got a cigarette, it's got an ashtray in it. You know, that thing's like old school, right? Yep. The upside of that is there's not a whole bunch of computer shit I got to mess with. Absolutely. You know, like I had a little shock fiasco in Missoula last year. Mm -hmm. I just got underneath and went to found a true value and got some bolts. Yep. And fixed it. Uh, You know, to me too, man, is it's like uh, it's kind of like this little hermit crab. Uh, comfort zone sure to like push your capability right right because like you do you know i'm gonna be thousands of miles away from my house Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and if something happens i just gotta figure it out you gotta figure it out and i told him i was like dude if we get stuck on the road out here or something man i was like we got beds yeah you have everything you need we got got turkey we got beer exactly you know like we'll be fine for sure someone will be along we got cell phones right you know like (laughs) we're not gonna die out here dog totally uh so man, what do you? So I know you, you're doing stuff for outside now. Yep. Uh, and then you also kind of have like your own media house, right? I do. Yeah. So I I uh, was in house at outside for a number of years, and then uh, left in 2017 and started Mountain Standard Creative, which is my production company, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. And um, so video production is my main sort of gig, and uh, you know it's me and a couple guys, and we we do everything from you know, product, video, instructional stuff, editorial content for outside and some mm-hmm. other folks to short docs and things like that. So kind of whatever floats our way, mostly in the outdoor industry because um, that's what we're all interested in and, yeah. and have worked in for a number of years now. So, well, yeah. but, but so like you're, I mean, when you say outdoor industry too, right? So there's like, yeah, it's like a big broad. <laughs> that's a good point. That's, that's a, a big broad or can be painted with a broad swath. Mm-hmm. So like, I guess technically I'm, I don't know, is it hunting outdoor yeah, industry? I absolutely. guess so. You but, know, when I got to outside, they, they sort of, they designated it, you know, as like outdoor versus like hook and bullet essentially. Okay. Right. But it's kind of, it's all the same thing. You know what I mean? It's all going to a lot of the same industry. places. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the core outside audience, I would say is more mountain bike climbing, skiing versus hunting and fishing sure but thankfully they're doing more and more hunting and fishing and especially hunting coverage which is great because there's so much crossover i think in those two worlds you know well you know 
So when we were down there in the bottom of that, uh, I'd call it a holler. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jay was saying, he was like, man, it's so, he's like, it's so interesting to me how, excuse me, because uh, Jay came out of like skiing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was like skiing and he was taking photography, doing photography with skiing and then moved in to hunting photography. And now he does both. But he was saying it, it was so interesting to him that uh, the people that come from his background, which you do too, right? So mm-hmm. like skiing and, yep. and mountain biking and stuff, like how transferable the skills are to hunting mm-hmm. uh, and like how easy it is to slip in. Because you said, I mean, how long have you been yeah, chasing only critters? Six years, something like that. Yeah. Not very long. Yeah. I mean, I I fished and stuff growing up, but I did definitely came to hunting as an adult for sure. What's the first thing you went after? Turkey. Really? Actually, right here where we are. Yeah. Did you get one? Uh, that first year I did. Yeah. Right not the first day, but the first year we chased him. Yeah. With, uh, with Eric there. He's the one that got me into it. The guy oh, right on. This morning. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he was my mountain bike and ski buddy and he had grew up hunting and he was like, dude, you got to get into this. Like, you're going to love it. It's the adventure. It's hiking in the woods, all the stuff you already like to do. There's just like a purpose to the hiking, you know, mm-hmm. and food. And, and that drew me into the food aspect. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he was right. I was hooked. Man, you know, that's a really great point when you said there's a purpose to the hiking because, you know, I have, like, I am completely unmotivated. So, like, Little Rock, right? Like, everyone goes and uh, hikes up Petty Jean Mountain. Sure, or Pinnacle right? or something. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, man, I've got very little interest in doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have a lot of interest in just like getting in a boat and like having a leisurely day in a boat. Right. But if I'm like trying to catch catfish or I'm yep. trying to get someplace to, you know, investigate a, a saddle or look for sign or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I guess I am hiking and doing whatever, but it, it never feels like it. I mean, I feel like I'm hunting. Right. Uh, do you different, do you like, do you find a, a difference in those in those two pursuits to you or do you think it's it's more similar than than not if i'm going for a hike versus if i'm on a hunt you mean yeah or yeah i mean honestly they're very similar i guess i i don't i don't go for that many hikes anymore though you know what i mean like i'll go ride my bike and that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and he, actually this is kind of interesting so we uh eric and i last maybe two years ago, decided we were going to, we've done it a couple times now, but we decided we were going to um, turkey hunt from our mountain bikes. Dude, I was just about to ask you that. Yeah, and it sounds like a great idea. It sounds like, oh, yeah, you can cover more terrain. It's kind of quiet and all this stuff. And honestly, it just made both activities worse. Really? It How was, come? <laughs> because, you're, you, you know, you're riding a mountain bike. You've got your shotgun on your back. You've got, like, more clothes and more bullshit on you than you normally do mm-hmm. right when you're when you're just on a mountain bike ride and you're not on like some you know kind of purpose-built single track trail you're just like riding down some rugged rugged thing and so it's just kind of hard mountain biking and then you're not really hunting either because you're kind of going too fast and like you know you kind of have to be hiking or sitting right when you're sure when you're turkey hunting i think so that did not work out and that's that, that's that anecdote i guess there is is just to say, like, I think they're vastly different. You know, so Jay was actually saying that, you know, he's he's uh, he's found a bunch of sign, like mountain biking, mm-hmm. and found a bunch of animals mountain biking mm-hmm. and talking to other mountain bikers. Interesting. Because they'll be like, oh, man, I see me- moose over. I won't send meese. Yeah. <laughs> I see moose over here all the time. Huh. Right? Like a hunter would a hunter wouldn't tell you that. Right. But this person has but no the interest in it. Will. Sure. <clears throat> yeah. No, that makes sense. And he's like, like his turkey spot over there by his house uh-huh. in Utah. That's how he found it. Really? And it's like, I don't want to blow up his spot or anything, but he said it's like, you can see it from the road yeah. and no one goes in there to turkey. Huh. That's pretty brilliant. Well, I mean, so <clears throat> we did my next, I'm writing a story for outside now on um, e-bikes for hunting and just trying to figure out sort of what the best setup there is. And so I have one that just came in and we'll be testing out a couple here over this spring. But the idea being that with a little, you know, little battery power, that might be a little bit you could better. Get, you could get far in there. Mm-hmm. You know, that like that e-bike thing is actually like a real big debate in the hunting world. Yeah. Uh, in Arkansas, they, the last couple of years, man, they were, uh, 
they were trying to make the decision if they were going to allow e-bikes on, on trails and whatnot. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they ended mm-hmm. up they ended up saying yes to mm-hmm. it. Um, I mean, I haven't been on one. I I bet they're like super fun to ride, and they're like they're real quiet, and you could really get back in there. It's super interesting. I was kind of not anti e-bike but i just never had an interest in them because if i was going to go on a bike ride i just i wanted to get the exercise or whatever just ride my normal bike mm-hmm. kind of thing and then for uh, my wife had an elk hunt this past fall and we borrowed some for on their recommendation they're like you should take our e-bikes in there because it's like this spot she hunted was sort of perfect it was these you know forest service roads and you can get in like on the bikes a couple miles and that's kind of where the elk were and then you get off the bike and sort of go and, yeah. and hunt, you know? And that was eye-opening to me because it was just like you're fresh when you get there, you know, because you've got the the pedal assist on the bikes. And then the pack out, I packed out two cows in a day, not not totally by myself, but like pretty much by myself with the trailer and the two e-bikes. And it was a hard day, but like I was able to do it, which is not something yeah. I think without those bikes I would have ever been able to do. Yeah, that man... <clears throat> You know, my inclination is to be anti e bike. Yeah. Like I was on the <clears throat> I was on the board of Arkansas BHA at the time when and we were like discussing if we were gonna support it or not. Mm-hmm. And I was like I was like, I don't think so, man. I'm not with it. Like kinda not an argument, but a difference of opinion with yeah. some other board members. Uh but yeah, dude, I bet if I had an elk down <laughs> Yeah, I, I would think feel a little different. For sure, <clears throat> for sure. Just as a tool, they can be pretty pretty neat, you know. And some of them too, like, you know, you think of an e-bike and you're like, oh, it's just got a throttle. And like, that's not really the case. Like most of these, you still actually have to pedal and you can sort of adjust like how much it's helping you and whatnot. Okay. Um, so you're still riding a bike, you know, which, which was kind of eye-opening for me. I thought it was just sort of like you're on a, a little moped or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. But so it's not that mm-hmm. you still have to pedal and, mm-hmm. but it's not hard pedaling. Correct. You yeah. start getting to those hills and a bit more of a pleasure. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, man. I... <laughs> It, all of that's real interesting to me because I was trying to put together uh, just like a little bike trailer rig mm-hmm. for hunting, trying to get a little further into some places. Yeah. Uh, and I still think it would be it would be useful, but yeah, man, there's there's a lot of places where it would be like be hard, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's all location dependent, you know, and, and like this zone that we're in now would be a great spot, I think, for bikes or e-bikes because, you know, there's all these little four service roads, you know, four by four roads that you don't really want to or can't drive your truck on, but like you can certainly ride a bike on them and the roads, you know what I mean? So it's legal yeah. to do that and everything, but you can just cover a lot more ground. You could cover a ton of ground, man. Which as we saw today, like, you know, these turkey are pretty spread out out here, so. Yeah, yeah. And there, I mean, there's a lot of up and down out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, before I think before we started recording, I was like, man, this uh, hunting this morning really exposed that I live at sea level <laughs> and I'm 40 and I'm out of shape. It's, uh, uh, it is not forgiving. But it's beautiful, man. We got down there in that bottom, dude. Uh, I mean, there was snow all over the place. That uh, that creek was just running, man. It's just beautiful. Start Everything's starting to green up down there. Uh and a bunch of places where it looked like ideal, mm-hmm. but just and it's also like, what do you think the wind's blowing right now? Twenty five oh, miles an it has hour. Has to be twenty five. Yeah. I yeah. Bet. I mean, just ripping wind. Yeah. So it's you know it's kind of hard to hear too. Oh, for sure. You'd uh, have to be right on anything to hear it. This Jay morning. Jay swears that he heard a gobble twice this morning, and then we heard two shotgun shots like way far off, and so. I mean, I never heard the gobble. Yeah. Uh, hmm. But there was, man, there was a bunch of, I guess there are mule deer on here. Mm-hmm. A bunch mule of deer. mule deer yeah. sign all over the place, man. A bunch of bear scat. Uh, yeah, I started getting excited when I was finding that bear poop, man. Mm-hmm. Like kicking it apart and seeing what they'd been eating. Yep, and, yep. Uh, a bunch of coyote turds down there, too, man. A lot of coyotes out here. I guess this is like where they're originally from, huh? Right. Yep, exactly. They didn't used to be... In New York. Right. No, they they worked their way over there. Yep. Yeah, we've got a lot of a lot of critters out here. It's a cool state to be a hunter for sure. There's all sorts of things to chase and Is uh, is the is the pressure pretty moderate? I mean, because it's not like a hugely or densely populated no, place. It, yeah, it's not a densely populated place at all. So the yeah, it's it's not super overpressured. I mean there's no 
you never hear about like you know the Colorado Sea of Orange or anything like that. You don't. Yeah. That that doesn't exist here. Um, and it's the same way with skiing and mountain biking and everything else. Like it's just there are no crowds. You know, when you pull up to a trailhead here, whether you're going out for a bike ride or a hunt or whatever, it is rare to see more than like maybe one or two cars at the trailhead. Why do you think it's such a a sleeper of a state, man? Because it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I don't know. I just, I think it's, you don't hear about it. And I think, you know, when people hear New Mexico, I think they think desert Mm -hmm. and cactus and, you know, and all that, which there is certainly that down south. You guys drove through it. Yeah. But northern New Mexico in particular just is off the radar for some reason. And this is like, so we're like just hunting this morning and then we got to like boogie on. But, man, I'd like to spend a little more time up here, man. Because, yeah, it's just like pretty stuff to walk in, man. Mm -hmm. And like finding those little open spots. Like I'm looking right now across there. I'm just looking at snow-covered peaks. Uh, Honestly... Even though it's like way, way higher, a lot of this stuff is very reminiscent of uh, the Wachita Mountains to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like I was telling them, I was like, dude, this looks a lot like the stuff I hunt bears in. I have told uh, friends that for years now about that out here. I, yeah, completely. The pine and, you know, I know it's different t- trees, obviously, but it has a very similar feel. And the rocks and everything like that. Yeah. 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 A lot of big bluff sticking mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very you know arkansas is kind of a sleeper outdoor state i think for sure as well. for sure man i mean aside i mean everyone knows about it for ducks right of course but like big game stuff and look it's very different in arkansas you know if you were like down in the pine forest you know everyone hunts deer down there those uh those like pulp tree leases mm-hmm. or whatever uh but man you get up there in the mountains i mean it's low density of deer for sure uh the deer are smaller because they're, like, living harder lives. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, but you can, like, really get in some dope adventure, you know? Like, you can, oh, yeah. there's lots of national forests. You can get to stuff where there's not Nobody's very many there. people. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, same sort of deal, like, here. Uh, like, what folks were doing was just driving those roads and crow calling, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as soon as we dropped off down there in the bottom, it was, like, you felt like you were totally alone. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's 99% of hunting in New Mexico. I was on an elk hunt for two weeks. I saw one other person actually in the woods, and he was hunting deer. He wasn't even hunting elk. Really? Yeah. Did you take this rig to go hunt out of? I did. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Man, what's your, uh, what's your scenario for, like, you got a little AC or something back there, or you just... Oh, in the back there? Yeah, you just open up the windows. Uh, I just open the windows. But so I usually I'll pull a little trailer or, um, you know, my my yard is sort of a constant revolving door of different rigs. Um, yeah, it kind of sounds like my yard, man. Yeah, yeah, because I'm always testing stuff. And uh, I test campers and trailers for Outsides Buyer's Guide every year. So constantly camping in different things. Um, so you got to give those things back? Yeah, most of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But usually pulling a little trailer or some sort of slide-in truck camp or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Man, those slide-ins are pretty They're pretty cool. slick. My buddy Brad's got one. Mm-hmm. And I like, it's kind of weird, man. Like, you open them up and they're like way bigger than you would oh, ever yeah. think in there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they're not quite as comfortable as a van, but like, they can probably get a few more places. Sure. I guess, yeah, yeah. That's the benefit to them. Easier to get that four-wheel drive on there, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, what's your plan for, for turkey season this year here, man? Like, today, I mean, this is opening day. Yep. I mean, yeah, not a ton of people. Right. Uh, beautiful stuff to be in. Like, probably not ideal conditions, but I yeah. would, I'd, I'd be very confident that if you kept coming back in here this season, you could kill a turkey. Yeah. I mean, that's that's usually the plan, right? Like, this is 30 minutes from my house, so yeah. it's hard to beat it in terms of proximity. Um, so we usually come out here a bunch. There's a few other spots that we'll hit. And then uh, during my elk hunt, which was uh, further down south in, uh, in a different unit, I saw a bunch of birds and a bunch of different sign down there. Um, so we're planning at least an overnight, I think, we'll go down there. That's and, awesome, uh, man. And try to... See if we can go check out a new spot. Yeah, and you're like, what's cool too, man, is you're you're figuring out 
you know, wear Elkar when you're turkey hunting. Yep, and exactly. Get a little shed hunting in and all those things. Yeah. It's a cool, New Mexico in the spring, I, I was telling you this earlier before we were recording, but it's like kind of the worst season weather-wise. It's just windy and like dusty. It's just kind of not our best, you know, month uh, or a couple months out here. But it's also pretty cool because everything wakes up, you know, in springtime yeah. and, and it's just fun to get back out in the woods again. Yeah, I mean, so like, winter. is this, this stuff is all snow covered all winter long? Most of it. Yeah. And, and maybe not here at this elevation, but this road, if you keep following it, it goes all the way up to like 10,500 feet, you know, maybe a little higher. Yeah. And it's, uh, we'd hit snow here and wouldn't be able to get all the way up there within the next, you know, five minutes down the road. Really? For sure. Yeah. You could maybe get past, but there's certainly spots where it's it's uh, snowed in, and you wouldn't want to drive up there. Man, what kind of uh, are there squirrels here? Mm-hmm. What yeah. kind of squirrels you got? Like those little pine squirrels? Uh, yeah, I think there's a couple different varieties. I think Alberts is that a, is that a type of squirrel? Man, I honestly I don't know. I'm not I'm not like really up on it. Yeah, I think there's Alberts and then gray squirrels and something else. I haven't I haven't really hunted them, but um, usually. During that time of the year, I'm going for, for grouse if I'm not chasing elk or something like that. You're going to use an old boy hitch back here in the back for grouse, are you? Yeah, he's come out grouse hunting with me a couple times. He is, uh, he's never uh, <laughs> never gotten one, never flushed one. I've never found a bird when I've taken him out, but he's busted elk herds every time he's come out with me. So, really? Yeah, the running joke in our family is that he thinks grouse are elk, and uh, that's his... <laughs> That's that's what he's a little confused by. But he's a good old dog, man. He is a good boy. Fourteen years old. Yeah, man. He uh, he was very interested in that turkey we were cooking last he night. He was. Yeah, you know, he's a lab. So he any, got he got a little bit cook. of turkey, man. We hooked him up a little bit of turkey. That's right. I let him lick the plates and stuff. <laughs> uh, man, me and Jay were talking about that turkey for a little camp meal. That turkey came out pretty good that last night, man. That was great. We kept asking you to cook more. Yeah, we cooked. At first, I was just we were trying to shoot something and. Uh, had had some uh, some uh, prickly pear pads from Texas that we've got and cleaned those up, which was like, also great. I never had that before, dude. They're they're really not bad, man. I mean, that slime on them can be a little off putting mm-hmm. to people, but uh, you know, you can like boil them and drain the and rinse the slime off, mm-hmm. or just not be a punk and you right. know, eat it. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's like very to me. It's like you know, okra adjacent. That, yeah. What do they call like muse? mucosa or right. mucilogenic or whatever yep yep uh but shit man like all that stuff is perspective right like that's huge in mexican cooking mm-hmm. nepales right like that's nepales and eggs and tortillas and like just eating it fresh in a salad or you can grill it uh and good lord there's no shortage of prickly pear oh my gosh well that's what was crazy i'd never had that i didn't realize like i knew you could eat them but i kind of didn't know it was like such a big thing in in Mexican, Mexican cooking, cooking yeah. like that, like that's awesome. I mean, yeah, dude. Like, so I live in Southwest Little Rock, which is like that's where the like the largest concentration of uh, Latino immigrants and stuff are, mm-hmm. right? So there's lots of mercados, and like I live real close to this tortilla factory, and mm-hmm. and so because of that, man, like you know, just any of the grocery stores you go into, man, they're gonna have like shit tons of dried peppers. They're gonna have you know like. Uh, like dethorned cactus pads mm-hmm. that you can buy, like mm-hmm. next to the green peppers. That's cool. Uh, what's that Mexican squash? It's like coyote or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, they'll they'll be that stuff, man. I'm really, dude. I'm really starting to get into uh, just a, a few more of those those sorts of influences. Like I've been on this deep uh, tamale dive, mm-hmm. uh, and what's so dope about that? And like these grocery stores in my neighborhood. You know, uh, as soon as you go, like, south of Texas, like, all the way down through Central America, man, like, and even over into the Caribbean, man, like, they all, all these places have this, uh, you know, I'll call it a tamale culture, right? But Mm -hmm. but it'll change depending on where it's at, right? So, you know, you think about Mexican tamale, that's like a corn husk, masa, put your meat in there, right? But you get over to, like... Puerto Rico or uh, some of those other islands there in the Caribbean, right? Mm-hmm. And they're wrapping stuff in banana leaves, hmm. uh, which, like, you can buy at the grocery store by my house. You can, like, buy those big banana leaves, and then 
their starch might not be corn, right? It might be yucca ah. or it might be plantain. But it's all essentially like the same sort of a process, right? Mm-hmm. But you can just do do different That's stuff with it. And those yeah. like leaves will impart a different flavor to it. Uh, like the sauce base will be a little different, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, you can do like savory, you can do sweet. Hmm. Uh, you can, I kind of like that mix of, uh, I like that mix of like savory and sweet, you know, like meat with dried fruit cooked into it, you mm-hmm. know, and you get that yep. kind of like molassesy, raisiny, you know, kind of current taste. Mm-hmm. I'm into that. And I think there'd be some cool applications for that with it. Uh, yeah, you're making but, me hungry here. Man, I'm, I actually am a little hungry, man. Uh, but, man, I'm so I'm so fascinated with the fact that, you know, you can just get in this metal box with four wheels on it. And, like, I, I left Little Rock. I picked up my buddy and Jay in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. We ended up in, you know, West Texas at, like, 11 o'clock at night. Killed turkeys that morning. Like, Three hours later, we're, like, going through a border checkpoint. Yep. I mean, yep. I, was, I was freaked out. I was like, what the hell, man? Uh-huh. I, you know, I don't want them to, uh, uh, you know, what I really didn't want to be like, uh, do you have any uh, guns in the car? Right. And they'd be like, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I got uh, quite a few here, man. <laughs> uh, but, no, dude was real cool, and he goes, uh, what are you guys, a church? Mm-hmm. And I go, uh, I should have just said yes, man. Yeah. But I was like, no, nah, man, I'm not I'm not a church. But he was real cool, man. Uh but yeah, I didn't. I mean, dude, we were we were driving next to Mexico. Yeah, like you could throw a rock into Mexico. There's one of those. Oh, that look at Alberts. that squirrel. See him? Yeah, dude, that thing's cool looking. Isn't that cool? See, even some shit like that. You know, man, it's not always the big stuff going someplace different. It's not always the big stuff. It's like that's the first time I've seen that kind of squirrel mm-hmm. right there. It's reminiscent of the gray squirrels right. that I know, right? right? But its ears seem like they're taller yep. and, and pointier. That tail was real bushy. Uh, but, man, that's that's cool as shit, man. Or like that bear crap that I was finding when I was sure. kicking it open. You know, when I'm hunting bears, they're eating acorns, mm-hmm. pokeberry, black gums. Yep. This thing had been eating uh, pine nuts. Mm. It's just like pine cone Tons all in the shit, yep. man. Sure. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, man. I love watching the topography change when we're driving. Like, you know, we were like... You know, like trying to rock the AC mm-hmm. before we got up here. And then we got up here and met at that restaurant to eat. And, like, the wind was whipping. Yep. And I was like, dude, we got to put hoodies on, yep. dog. <laughs> and then it's 30 degrees last night. Probably probably dip below freezing, I bet. Or close uh, I to I mean, it. when we woke up, it was 30. Yeah. And then, like, at 6, it was supposed to be 29. Okay. And when we, got, go. when we got back up here, it was 36. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, it did not feel like that because no. I was sweating my ass off <laughs> and I was wearing this good Gore-Tex from Sitka. That's right. Uh, I forget what the Sitka slogan is. It's like turning gear and something or other. I don't know. <laughs> uh, man, so like, what are your what are your plans? I mean, we talked about, I hope I'm not exposing too much, but we talked last night when we were drinking beer on the fire. Just, you know, you and your wife kind of decided you're not going to have kids, right? Yep, so, yep. You can pretty much do whatever you want for the rest yeah. of your life, you <laughs> bastard. But, like, yeah, man, you got yeah. this media house, right? You Sounds sure. like you're riding bikes and hunting and just having a ball, man. Like, what's what, – where would you like to – where do you see yourself in five years, man? You know, I uh, – I'm first of all, I'm loving where I am in life right now. I mean, that's, you know – zero complaints you got a cool thing going i got a cool thing going and uh and i try to just kind of take it you know one day at a time and not worry too much about uh what's down the road but i think what i'd what i'd really like to do is sort of move more into um i finding myself working more and more in front of the camera these days and being on camera and so that uh is something that i really enjoy and i think um you know, I've, I've had this running video series with outside for a while now called the one one and it's centers on overlanding and, and whatnot, but it's again, trying to show people how to get into this stuff, right. Mm-hmm. And make it seem not so terrifying or, or, you know, you don't have to buy a $150,000 sprinter van to go have a cool trip. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I'd like to take that concept and, and some other ideas and, and, uh, you know, maybe work for, uh, get a show going 
whether that's on outside TV or, you know, a couple other outlets, we've got some stuff yeah. that we're pitching. So I'd love to move more into that realm, uh, more into the, into the TV stuff and, and whatnot and just keep being the fun, family man. business, man. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. What, man, what do you spend, what do you spend the most, what do you spend the longest hunting? Like where's most of your effort centered as far as hunting? Elk for sure. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, well, I take it back. I mean, it depends. Some years I might spend more days out chasing turkey than elk. But if I had, you know, if, if I draw a tag, then elk, I would say. Like last year, I went down for 14 days. That was our, our season. We have two archery seasons, you know, and there's early and late. And the, the first one is 14 days, second one's 10 days. Um, and so I was down there first to last. Had some great opportunities. Was in elk every single day. Really, dude? Yeah, yeah. Missed two shots that I should have definitely should have made one. Should have killed one bull for sure. And I don't know what what happened. It was super steep terrain, uh, and I had I was calling to this one bull, and he was answering me. And then he kind I think he had some cows with him, and he he went off. And I looked across the ridge, and it was kind of this cool open terrain, and saw this bull probably. 300 yards away something like that and i see him over here and he starts walking down you know the the hill that he was on and i'm like wonder where he's going and i'm like there's no way he's coming over here he bugled once and i just kind of sat where i was and kind of got set up and all of a sudden sure enough there's antler tips coming out of the out of the woods what i thought was and where i ranged was like 45 yards in front of me and i didn't realize at the time but he kind of came up and he worked closer to me Um, and so I had my pin set to like 40 and I think he was probably at like 30. Um, but it was a super steep, like probably 35 degree hill that he was on. And so I shot right over his back and, uh, it was, oh, it was like the perfect setup too, man. It killed me. Dude, I was about to say that hurt my feelings, man. Oh, it was bad. It was bad. And then he like circled back around. I kind of called him back in and there was no shot. It was just Did he, he, he boogered when you when you let the arrow go? He did, yeah, but he didn't he didn't spook too hard and and so I was like you know, at first I'm like, did I hit him? You know, what happened? And then, you know, I totally missed it. It was a clean miss and um and then when I started I think I bugled at him or something and he kinda like got interested again and worked worked back around above me trying to win me and I think he winded me and then Yeah. And then took off. But, I mean, dude, it sounds like a giant turkey. It is very, very similar. I will say that very similar. You know that's interesting. I love turkey hunting so much, and I've only I've only killed one elk, and yeah. it was like a late season mm-hmm. uh, antlerless tag. So I've never, I've never like I've never even gone up to uh, like Ponca or anything in, mm-hmm. in Arkansas and sure. listened to them bugle. Right? Yeah. Uh, that's another cool spot, by the way. It, man, Ponca is really cool, dude, and. uh Man, I've got a friend actually. Her dad or her grandpa, like, owns like half of Boxley Valley. Up wow, there. that's cool. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't actually think you can hunt them in Boxley right. Valley up there. Yeah. Uh, I wish you could. I, could. I might could get on there. But yeah, I'm. You know, I would imagine in the next couple years, I end up on some sort of early season bull elk hunt. And man, I'm a little little worried about it man because like if they if that does to me what these turkeys have done yep to me it was you know like i said this was my first hunt was was turkey and i became quickly obsessed and uh elk is a totally different level completely different really you think like just way 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 better way better what is it what about it uh man i you know when when you're hearing those things and they're bugling and and you're in them, and there's you know all of a sudden you have a bull elk screaming at you from forty yards away and you see him come out of the woods, I mean just like buck fever whatever you want to call it. I remember the first time that happened, I was just completely yeah. shaking, yeah, 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 yeah. you know. And it still happens every time I go out there, and you know you you hear it's like when you hear a gobble, you yeah. know you hear that first gobble or something and. But it's just kind of a different level, and it's just this creature that's so cool and majestic and, and big. You know what I mean? And, and there's a part of you that's kind of like when you're in them like that, and you see this monster deer, effectively, right, with a huge set of antlers on it, forty yards away from you. There's a part of you that's like, 
shit, that thing could really mess me up. You it, know what it I mean? totally could. Have you seen? Did you see that thing on? Uh, I saw it on a couple places on uh, Instagram or something, but that the big bull elk and it had like the oh, dead carcass yes. of the mountain uh-huh. lion and its antlers uh-huh. that he had killed. Absolutely. And that thing had just been up in his antlers, rotting mm-hmm. away. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they could mess you up. For sure. I've heard him described as a horse with a rocking chair on its head. Pretty much. And it will never, I, I will never understand how they move silently through with those big the antlers? thickest stuff with those big antlers, man. Yeah. It's absurd. It is crazy. I mean, I this, this zone I hunted was like, you know, crazy steep and crazy thick. Like just the thickest country I'd ever been in in terms of undergrowth and all this stuff. And like everything wanted to poke you. Everything was spiky. You know, it was all just gnarly terrain. And you'd see a bull all of a sudden, and then he would just slip away. And you're like, how did that 600-pound creature with a rocking chair on its head just do that? Like there's no way. You know, I can try as hard. And, you know, I'm not like, I've only been hunting for five years, right? But I I can usually sneak up on things pretty well. Like I can be quiet when I want to be, but man. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. I mean, it's like how, you know, deer or something just yeah, appear. absolutely. Uh, I remember telling my dad, I was like, man, it's like they're like unicorns. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll be sitting there forever, and then you'll, like, look over to the right, and then you look, and there's, like, three deer right yep. in front of you. And yep. you, you don't even know how they got there. It's, and you, you didn't hear them, you just sensed it. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite things about hunting. One time we were here, and this fox uh, appeared out of nowhere. And we just looked over, and like, oh, my God, look at that. And we just watched him for probably... 10 minutes something like that and he was just doing his thing but it was just the cool he was probably 50 yards from us man like foxes that. are cool they're critters so man. cool and they're cool he just did his thing you know and finally i think he winded us and ran off but i had the same experience on an elk hunt where i was sitting there bugling at this at this bull and then all of a sudden i heard this crash up the up the hillside opposite me and i'm like what is that and there's this huge black bear that just starts sprinting up the hill over there yeah it just came out of nowhere you know Dude, one of my favorite things that happened last year was I was up in a tree on this water hole bear hunting because there was like bear sun around it. But I kind of figured out that I don't think they're, I think they're hitting a lot more at night than during the day. But anyway, I'm up in this tree and I hear something and I look over and like a hundred yards from me, man, this black bear's like just scaling up this tree, you know, and it went. 35, 40 feet up in the tree in like Whoa. five seconds. Just looked like a giant squirrel. Wow. And then I'm like sitting there in the tree stand looking at this thing, and it's just, you know, walking around out on the branches eating acorns. Oh my gosh. Uh, and it was so cool. And then I really, I was very close to a road, and this truck came down, and I figured the bear would just like sit there. Mm-hmm. I mean, because, I mean, that, that guy didn't know that bear was up there. Right. I mean, uh, dude, and that bear heard that thing and just like two seconds later, it was down that tree and out God, of there. Wow. Wow. But yeah, man, just, it's cool. It's not just cool. It's, uh, it, it's like hitting something very human to be a voyeur mm-hmm. to, to these like natural processes that. I don't know. I wouldn't know necessarily say you're not supposed to be there, but like those animals don't know you're there. Totally. You know, when you're just like really observing them, uh, just being themselves, not acting freaked out right. or on edge. You know, like I watched two bears like 25 yards from me this year. They like they poked out of this thick stuff. And these are pretty big bears, working, like 300 pounds, I mm-hmm. reckon. And they just go, and they start wrestling with each other, oh, cool. and like one's on its back, wow. and it, you know it's like some wild kingdom shit. And then the one walked back into the thick stuff, and the other one like there's a little depression, and he uh-huh. just like laid in there and was yeah. like loafing, and just really, really cool to see, man. That's uh, awesome. And it, you almost feel like you get a slightly better understanding of them every time you see that. Yeah. Uh, that's how I mean ducks, dude. My, me and my dog snuck up on like 500 ducks in this timber and everything was frozen and these birds this was years and years ago and these ducks were all in this little timber spot man milling around the trees and stuff and there were so many of them and they were being so frenetic that they were keeping that hole open Mm. and i remember sneaking up in there me and the dog and just watching them and it totally changed 
my understanding of how to hunt them because hmm. I was like, well, of course, six decoys all facing the same way, not moving. They don't look like this. Sure. Like this water is frothing hmm. and it looks alive, you know? Uh, hmm. Yeah. It, just realize, and, but man, you got a hundred yards away from there. You wouldn't even know. Yeah. Right. But there was all like hundreds and hundreds of them in there. Wow. Uh, it really, it really changed my understanding of it. And like, same thing with bears, I'd say it's like really getting eyes on them and watching them when they don't know you're there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You see how it just kind of unconcerned, yeah. it, like nothing's messing with a bear except for a person really, right? or maybe a bigger bear. So th there's a, there's a way they move that's incredibly nonchalant. Uh, that's very, very different than hunting like an ungulate that is just like super freaked out all yeah. the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, I don't know. It's one of the reasons I like bears so much. It's just because they're they're very different. You know, I I feel like I'm I feel like I'm watching like the princes of the forest, mm -hmm. you know, or the kings of the forest. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Hmm. Man, what was your? So you said 14 days you spent out there solo hunting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're just in your truck, hunting yes, all day? Well, yeah, so a buddy came down for a couple of days, and then uh, we both had tags. And then he got uh, hurt his knee and ended up having to leave. And uh, I'm obsessed and, and lucky enough to be able to spend 14 days doing that. And uh, so I, yeah, I just, you know, had my little truck camper and uh, kind of lived out of the back of the truck, essentially. What was, I mean, so... Did it change your interpretation of anything, like going for days and days and oh days, not seeing people and it not was, talking? It was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had, honestly. And uh, I think I learned more about, well, certainly more about elk and more about hunting on that trip, being by myself. Because usually I've got somebody with me who's a little more experienced, right? And who yeah. I can sort of lean on to say, well, what's our game plan? Where are we going to go? What are we? There was none of that. It was just me. And so I watched more elk just do their thing when like there was no way to kind of sneak in like i watched these bulls fighting one morning oh cool. and wallowing and it was like i was sort of on these trees and they were like in the you know 100 plus yards away in the middle of this big meadow and just just trying to kill each other you know it was crazy just to watch them do their thing and just fight like like we were talking about like nobody else is there right and uh and I could, I got to the point where I could sort of pattern kind of what they were doing and where they were going to go. And I could sort of put myself in the right position, yeah. that kind of stuff. So that, from a learning perspective, that was unbelievable. And then, uh, man, I just come away from those experiences, especially if I can get in the woods for like a week or something like that. And there's no service or whatever. I'm so refreshed when I come back from that stuff, you know, like just no staring at instagram no screens all that kind of yeah. stuff for for that long that's one of my favorite pieces of it too is just being able to fully unplug for that long well i mean you know and i mean that's what you evolved to be exactly right? exactly like i was telling jay like even pooping in the woods out here this morning man like i mean i'm not trying to be gross or anything but like uh you know i mean you're you're pooping in the way that you're kind of like evolved sure. to poop like squatting Absolutely. down you know Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it, like it's actually weird, man. Like do that and then stand up, man, and like it's twenty seven degrees and yeah. that wind's hitting your bare butt, and you're like, woo. Yep. yep. Uh, but yeah, man. It, it even like innocuous stuff like that. It I feel like it. I feel like it kind of puts a, a hyper focus, yeah, on what being alive is mm -hmm. right you know like you're yes. in the you're in the doldrum and just like driving up and down the same roads and like sitting in traffic mm -hmm. and all that crap like you know going from one box to another box yep uh and yeah man when you can just get out here and you're like you know we sitting here eating this turkey had a fire dude it got dark man like we were tired we were ready to go to bed yeah man yep, we went to sleep for sure uh i slept you sleep good i slept great i slept pretty good man uh yeah, and then wake up and like see the sun coming up, and then, you know, we were looking down. I mean, me and Jay were talking about it, man. We just drop down that valley down there and see what's up. Mm -hmm. That's what we did. And dude, as soon as we got down in there and hit that creek, I was like, oh, dude, this is beautiful, man. Right? Like, there's a little 
kind of, I mean, we hit a game trail and mm -hmm. I was like, that looked like a critter trail of you. Yep. Yep. And we just walked it. And, uh, and then like when you're coming across sign two being, being like, man, I'm in this kind of, I mean, nothing secret anymore, but like this kind of secret little space Yeah. and I'm taking, I'm putting my feet the same place like this bear did yep. or, yep. uh, you know, we found all that mule deer sign mm -hmm. up there, uh, which I'm telling you, dude, if you get a tag for here, yeah, I'd be right up there in them saddles. Absolutely, uh, man. It's I, dude covered up with uh, with deer sign in there. That's uh, great. Very good. And it'd be a. I mean that even that right there. Just like you always hear, you know, like animals use saddles, mm -hmm. right? But like, so I learned to hunt saddles in Arkansas, mm -hmm. right? But then I come out here, and it's the same thing, man. Yeah. Like yeah. All these transferable skills. I mean, that going back to like you mountain biking sure. and skiing and like you rock climb. I used to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just all that stuff, man. Like yep. all those transferable skills. I, it's, it's just like such a pleasure to me when I can take some bit of knowledge or some bit of proficiency I've gained from yes. something unrelated mm -hmm. and apply it, you know, and, and realize how how connected many enterprises you know really are yep, absolutely yeah that's a great point what uh do you want people to be able to get a hold of you or do you want to just uh yeah do you want to give it your your, your socials and sure. all that stuff yeah yeah the um you know website is mountainstandardcreative.com uh social you can find me i'm just brian regala on instagram that's probably my my number one uh Got a good old Italian name? Uh, Polish, actually. Regala's Polish? It is, yeah, yeah. Is that what it originally was, or did they change it when they got to No, Ellis that's Island? what it originally was. Yeah, I always used to think it must have been Regalski, you know, or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. But no, it, it was Regala. It was, uh, it's like a southern, uh, from southern Poland or something like that. Was where the, Man, I never would have thought that. I know, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it means pastry. Really, dude? I like a pastry. Yeah. I stopped when I was in Texas. I was like... Uh, you know when you're like driving and they got all those like Czech bakeries there, yep. you know, mm -hmm. they, they're like big on kolaches and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I stopped and got a kolache. Uh, I like a pastry. I got an apricot uh, Danish as well. Mm. And I could go for an apricot Danish. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna see if I'm gonna see what's up here with Jay, man. Like, I don't know if maybe we go get something to eat or. I could go for some freaking coffee, dude. I made a I made a mistake. Jay was like kind of mad at me. I think this morning about <laughs> that was. coffee, dude. I think he was. Well, bring your own coffee then, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I ran. I I cooked all that. If I had cooked all my turkey for you last night, I would have right. burnt up exactly. my fuel. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, man, the <laughs> the coffee. But even shit like that. Like I was telling him, he'll be like, "You don't have this. You don't have that." I was like, "Dude, I'm gone for like 30 days." Yeah. I was like. When I realize I need something, just gonna have I'll to go get, get it. it. Exactly. You know, like, I, exactly. I I just gave up trying to, thinking that I was going to have everything perfect. You know, all these different terrains, right? Like 80 degrees to 29 degrees. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow, man, we'll be, You'll be in, palm, we'll be in trees. palm trees tomorrow, yep. right? Yep. Like sitting in Jimmy's parents' backyard. Uh, and there'll be, you know, even just like the stuff that can hurt you is different. Like we were at, where we were at, it was rattlesnakes and cactus everywhere. Mm-hmm. Over there, man, they got that, uh, in California, they got that, uh, poison oak. Mm, yeah. Which, like, you know, my eyes not, my eyes, like, very key to finding poison ivy. Yeah, right. But I'd never seen poison oak till sure. last year, and he's like, those poison oak. Don't like, touch dude, that. Dude, that looks like a little oak tree. Yeah. Like, I totally right. would have touched that, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so, like, yeah, man, just can't be prepared for everything. Uh, you know, and that's going back to when you asked earlier, it's like your van overlandy. You know, the whole, the definition of overlanding is just vehicle-based adventure travel, right? That's okay. all it is. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, people have been overlanding forever, right? They've overlanded in a two-wheel drive Mercedes car and driven around the war, you know, the, sure. the entire globe that way. So, like, you're you're totally overlanding in that thing. Or a fucking covered wagon and some oxen. Exactly. Right? That was exactly. real that overlanding. That was true overlanding, right? Yeah. yeah, man. For sure. Well, dude, uh... Man, thanks a lot for, I mean, because I just like, what, texted you like two nights ago yeah. or whatever. I was like, dude, I think, and dude, we didn't even, we hadn't even decided. We were like, are we going to go uh, towards the Gila? Or are we going to sure. go 
yep. wherever, man. But, dude, this was a a pleasure. I wish I could stay longer, man. But I this know. was this was cool back. to get, dude. I'm already figuring it out. But just like I told you last year, when I was driving across 40, mm-hmm. and I was I hit like Western New Mexico, and yep. I was just like l- looking at it. I was like, man, this is pretty, dude. Yeah. I need to get in here. Same. That's why I wanted to come back. Same reason I'm going to hunt uh, the Idaho Panhandle because mm-hmm. I drove through it last year and I was like, it's dude, this is there. gnarly. Yeah. And then I started looking up like Nez Perce, uh, mm-hmm. the whole history of that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, dude, it is. It's red, but yeah, man. I just. I love the fact that you can. Like you can, you can, you can still like go have adventures, right? Absolutely. And, yeah. uh, like when I was stomping around down there in the bottom of that holler, man, I was like, dude, this is. This is gnarly. I'm yeah. like crunching through. There's like that shitty snow to walk through mm-hmm. where it like breaks underneath you and stuff. <laughs> yep. Yep. I was like, dude, this is gnarly. I can't believe this, dude. And, you know, we're talking about like we were picking cactus thorns out of our body yep. yesterday. Yep. But cool, man. Well, so uh, just Brian Regala on Instagram, right? That's right. Simple. And then uh, where do they find all the, the outside yeah, stuff? Yeah, if you, you get on uh, outside online, go over to the video section and scroll down. You'll find the 101 right there where you can just search the 101 on uh on outside yeah what's the 101 man uh cool well brian regala thank you so much uh thanks for sharing your your state and your stomping grounds with us and uh thanks for doing the podcast bud thank you man come back anytime right on thank you so much for listening all the way through to this episode of the black duck revival podcast as always produced by me jonathan wilkins and my long, long, long time friend, Brian Dizzle Sachs. If you want to keep up with me and what's going on with Black Duck Revival, easiest way to do that is going to the website or check me out on Instagram. That's just Black Duck Revival. You'll see what's going on as far as food, classes, uh, and follow along on Turkey Tour, or as we've started to call it, the Turkey Bebop, as I make my way uh, across the western United States uh, chasing turkeys. I think actually uh, tomorrow we're going to head north in California and maybe try and get a hold of a wild pig or two. And then I'll hunt in Idaho for turkeys, end up in Montana, and I'll chase spring bears and spring gobblers in big sky country there in Montana. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review, tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell an acquaintance. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. I so appreciate it. It's a blast to get to do these interviews and talk to these fascinating folks. And it's always awesome to hear from you. So don't be afraid. Send me an email. I love reading them. Uh, even if I am a bit slow on the response, but you can just email me at blackduckrevival at gmail.com. Let me know what you think about the podcast. Thanks for listening until next time.